As we prepare our hearts for the Word of God, we're going to be looking at several scriptures this morning, but I want to begin in Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 17 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 4, 17 and 23. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all begin their Gospels by recording that Jesus started his ministry by preaching, proclaiming, and demonstrating the kingdom of God. His message was the kingdom of God is at hand. His message was the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a constant theme throughout Jesus' teachings. Let me just name a few moments where he teaches about the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew 5 that the poor in spirit are blessed for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus instructed his disciples to seek first the kingdom of God. Many of the parables that Jesus gave begin with the words for the kingdom of God is like, and then would go to explain an aspect of the kingdom of God. Jesus told us that it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And Jesus said that his kingdom is not of this world. So the kingdom of God is a central theme to Jesus and his ministry, and it makes me wonder why we don't hear more preaching about the kingdom of God in our messages. And I wonder if, in part, it's because living in a democratic republic, we don't relate very easily to the idea of a kingdom. We, that feels far distant from us. And if we were completely honest, most of us prefer our democracy to at least any earthly monarchy. But when Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, what he was saying is all, all the power and glory and majesty and authority and rulership of God's kingdom had drawn near to them, was among them in his person. We have a cosmic collision between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And so I thought it'd be appropriate as we continue our series, Bracing for Impact, if we took a look at the impact of the kingdom of God as it invaded the kingdom of Satan. Now I want to say this, uh, we in America may not think in terms of kingdom, But we live in terms of kingdom. Whether we know it or not, we live in terms of kingdom. Because just like we live, I don't think a whole lot about the atmosphere of the earth, but we live constantly, 24-7, in the atmosphere of 
the earth. We live in a kingdom. And we live in a realm. And here's what the Bible tells us. Ultimately, ultimately, there are only two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. I say ultimately because we know man has, mankind has its kingdoms. There were kings and there were kingdoms in the Old Testament. There are kings and there are kingdoms today. But no earthly king has ever been or will ever be the ultimate ruling power in this world. No matter how powerful a king might get, a kingdom might grow, their kingdom is subservient to the devil's kingdom. And I say that because John tells us that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. If you remember when the devil took Jesus up to a high place... He showed him all the kingdoms of the world, not just the kingdoms that existed then. I believe he gave him a, a supernatural vision of all kingdoms that would ever exist on this earth. And Satan said, the devil said to Jesus, I will give you all these kingdoms if you will but bow down and worship me. Now, the only way the devil would have the authority to give every earthly kingdom to Jesus is if he ruled every kingdom and had ultimate authority over them. One day the Bible tells us that a figure will rise up. The Bible calls him the Antichrist and he will for a time, rule the entire world. But he will rule the entire world under the rulership as a viceroy of the devil. In fact, he will be the devil's perfect or most imperfect ruler. He will reflect Satan's rulership most accurately. When Adam and Eve listened to the devil's voice, and disobeyed God's commands, they relinquished the rulership of the world to Satan through sin. Sin is the domain of Satan. The entrance of sin brought with it sickness and death and evil and brokenness and all the misery and all the rebellion, all the wickedness that we see in the world today. So we in America may not think in terms of kingdom, but we live in terms of kingdom. Because we were born subjects, and this is not happy news, but we'll get to the good news. We were born subjects of the kingdom of Satan. That's the bad news. Now we get to the good news. The kingdom of God invaded the kingdom of Satan to take back for God what was lost. This past Wednesday, during his press conference, President Biden, while warning against a Russian invasion against Ukraine, created a bit of an uproar by suggesting that it would be okay if Putin and Russia simply conducted a minor excursion into 
the Ukraine. It was something the administration had to then scurry to walk back. Jesus did not come to make a minor incursion into the kingdom of Satan. Jesus came to invade. He came to clash. He came to collide. He came to impact the kingdom of Satan in order to conquer, in order to bind, in order to plunder from Satan's kingdom, taking back from Satan for God what had been lost. I want, if you have your Bibles, turn with me or we will have it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 29. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. I want you to imagine for a moment this man and the torment, the nightmare that this man lived. He was possessed by the devil. He was demon-possessed. The ESV translates it oppressed, but the word is possessed. He is possessed by a demon. He is tormented day and night. He is under the control of of this demon. We see in the New Testament what these demonic possessions look like. They are self-destructive, they are agony, they are torment. But to add to that, this man lives in darkness. He cannot see anything. He cannot speak. He is mute. And so he is, he is cut off from the world and living this private hell with the devil tormenting him and his friends had tried everything they could to help him but nothing could help them him there was no power on earth that could release the grip of satan on this man and so they brought him you notice it says he was brought to jesus they brought him to jesus hoping he could do something. And with a word, Jesus broke Satan's grip on this tormented man and set him free. With a word, he set him free. The demons were cast out. And the man saw. And the man could speak. He was set free from this possession with but a word. Now, just a, a little bit of an aside. We were actually talking about this a little bit at our community group Tuesday night. 
The Pharisees saw this and they tried to explain this miracle by saying it is the power of Satan that is casting out Satan. They are attributing to the Holy Spirit or to Satan what is clearly the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is when Jesus talks about the unforgivable sin because they knew it was the Holy Spirit. But they didn't want it to be the Holy Spirit. So they attributed it to the work of Satan. They blasphemed the Spirit by calling his good work the work of the devil. The, the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit isn't something. I have gotten letters, I've gotten emails from people who are concerned they may have accidentally blasphemed the Holy Spirit. They thought a thought. They said something they shouldn't have said. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the reason it's the unforgivable sin, isn't, isn't um, because if you just accidentally do it, you're doomed. It's because it is the deliberate sin against the light and work and power of the Holy Spirit. These Pharisees knew. They knew. They knew. I mean, my goodness, by some point, some miracle, some awesome work of God, by the resurrection they knew, by the opening of the tombs when Jesus died, by the splitting of the, the veil in the, I mean, think of all, when Peter and John healed a, a lame man, they just kept rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. It wasn't that they were ignorant and couldn't see and they just missed it. They knew, they knew, they knew, but they deliberate, but it didn't flow with their agenda. Their agenda became more important than the truth. And so they were willing to knowingly blaspheme the Holy Spirit to preserve their agenda. But Jesus points out to them if Satan's working against Satan his kingdom is going to fall but if I cast out Satan by the spirit of God then the kingdom of God is among you has come upon you it has collided with you Jesus didn't make a minor incursion into the kingdom of Satan he walked through the front door with a frontal assault and he conquered and he bound Satan so that he could walk about freely and plunder whatever he wanted. And what he wanted were souls, precious souls that had been lost to God he wanted to bring them back to God. Jesus proclaimed as he walked the earth the good news of the kingdom and he demonstrated that good news by giving sight to the blind, by giving hearing to the deaf, by opening the mouth of the, the mute, that by giving the power to walk and to leap to the lame person, to give new skin to the leper. People that were possessed by the devil, like the young child that the father brought to Jesus. This father is at the end of it. He's just desperate. 
because he watches this demon shatter his son. Shatter. And there ain't no power on earth that can set him free. But Jesus didn't come with power on earth. He came with the power of the kingdom of God. And Jesus set that young man free with a word. Or when he came across the the demon-possessed man and he says, what is your name? The demon said, my name is Legion, for there are many. A legion was the largest military unit in the Roman army. It was over 4,000 soldiers. So I don't know if that's literal 4,000 demons, but it means there were a lot of demons in this man. I don't know what he did to open himself up, but he did something to open himself up to thousands of demons. But, but let's brag on Jesus a little bit. You know, because we could think, well, this is kind of lopsided. You've got Satan and all his demonic hordes, his whole kingdom arrayed here, and Jesus is just one man. He's representing the kingdom of God, but he's just one. Uh Uh-uh. It was lopsided, but it was lopsided the other way. Jesus doesn't need his holy angels to back him up. Jesus came with a full force and power of the kingdom of God. He created every one of those demons. He created every one of the angels. He does not need them to back him up. The power of the kingdom of God fully resided in Jesus Christ. And so with a word, those, that legion of demons had to go, had to go. The kingdom of God colliding, invading, impacting the kingdom of darkness and winning easily. Now, I want to just say a word because um, I think in this case, the blindness and the muteness were directly attributed to the demonic possession. But not all sickness, not all infirmity is demonic in its source. We, We need to know this. In this case it was, but in many cases in the gospel, it's not. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where sin and death and sickness entered in like a cancer. And that includes infirmities like blindness and and deafness and inability to speak. It includes cancer, COVID. It includes uh, malformations, crippling diseases, mental illness, hunger, poverty, and other such afflictions. And, and these are not necessarily, in fact, I don't think they are even usually the direct result of the demonic. They live in a fallen world. But indirectly, all the misery in this world, every bit of it is the governance of Satan. This is what his rulership looks like. This is what his domain looks like. Sin here has grabbed some of our hearts, but there's the redemptive work of God. But in hell, there is nothing but sin. In fact, I don't even know if they call it sin there. It is just how they live. They hate everything about God. They love nothing about God. There is no goodness in Satan, not even one molecule of goodness, not one molecule of compassion or care or any other good thing. It is all evil to the core. He is the father of lies and the originator of lies. And so his dominion will always look horrible. Where he rules, there is nothing but misery. There is nothing but death. 
There is nothing but sickness. There is nothing but evil. There is nothing but darkness. That is his rule. And that's why the Bible calls him, his kingdom, the domain of darkness. Into that darkness, Jesus brought good news of the kingdom, of the kingdom of God. He demonstrated that good news in visible and physical ways as he healed this blind man, as he touched that leper and, and healed his skin, as he gave hearing to the deaf, as he set that child free from the demon possession. It was the good news of the kingdom coming with very, very good news for them But the greater good news is what Jesus came to do, not on the physical side, but on the internal side, to take souls and bring them back to God, to win precious souls back to the God who loves them, back to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The outer infirmities that Jesus healed mirror the inner infirmities we all deal with. You might be 110% healthy on the outside. You might seem to have life by the tail. But you know what? We are all spiritually blind. We're born spiritually blind. We cannot see the glory of God. We are born spiritually deaf. We can't hear the truth. We are born spiritually crippled. We, We cannot walk uprightly the way God created us to walk. We walk bent by sin. And so all the externals that Jesus healed as the good news of the kingdom touched lives, also the better news is it touches and heals us on the inside as well of all those infirmities. Jesus came to do much more than change our circumstance. He came to change our citizenship. The good news of the kingdom is that he came to get us back. And the good news of the kingdom isn't built on the foundation of what we do for God. Amen? The good news of the kingdom isn't built on the foundation of what good we do for God. It's also not even built on the good news of what God does in us. The foundation of the good news of the kingdom of God is built on the good news of what God has done for us. In Jesus Christ, what he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about what God does in us and the kingdom work in us. But this morning, let's close by marveling at what God has done for us through the power of King Jesus. Jesus came to transfer our citizenship from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. He came not just to change our circumstance, but to change our citizenship. I want to read, uh, we read this last week, but I want to talk about it a little bit more. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Paul writes, as part of his prayer, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom 
we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I just want to repeat again, Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to you, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It makes the father glad. It makes his heart happy to give you the kingdom. The truth is, every person who was healed by Jesus would eventually get sick and die. They would grow old. They would grow frail. Maybe they'd get sick. They certainly died. Every person Jesus raised from the dead died later on. One person wrote that the reason Jesus didn't raise too many people from the dead, I think he maybe raised four people from the dead. One reason is because it's no great gift to have to die twice. The great good news is sent by the Father, Jesus came to invade the kingdom of darkness with the good news of the kingdom, which is I'm taking you back and I'm transferring your citizenship from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. I, am, I have come, Colossians says, to qualify you, to qualify you to enter heaven. That is the greatest work of Jesus Christ. It has to do with kingdom. He came to qualify us to enter his kingdom. When we come to that, you know, pearly gate or whatever that gate looks like, there is no way, no way we could ever be qualified to enter that kingdom through anything we could ever do. We used to live on Long Island, and I used to work landscaping out in a town called Southampton. It was pretty ritzy. A lot of wealthy people lived out there. We did a lot of landscaping for homes that were multi-million dollar homes with beautiful sparkling outdoor pools and, and they were empty all week and then on the weekend they would drive out from the city, jump in their pools and use their home and then drive back to the city. These multi-million dollar homes sat empty all week long. They were just weekend places to land. But there's a, uh, there's a golf club called Sabonic in Southampton. One of the Nicest golf clubs in the world, designed by Tom Doak and Jack Nicholas, And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful golf course built sweeping right along with nature. They built it right along with nature. It's just gorgeous. But before you grab your golf club and plan a trip there, you need to qualify for membership. And to qualify for membership, you need someone to vouch for you, and you need a fee of $650,000. So, unless you have $650,000 that you can throw away on golf, and trust me, if I were to spend that, it would be throwing it away on golf. <laughs> I'm throwing away 18 bucks when I go and play golf. You would not qualify to enter as a member. But that is nothing 
compared to the qualifications it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. The qualifications of heaven is perfect obedience to God. Now, let's get that in right context. If starting this moment, you or I could live perfectly obedient to God, and we never could, it would not be anywhere near what God requires because he needs perfect obedience to God all our lives. So all the past infractions disqualify us completely and our future infractions disqualify us completely. But the good news of the kingdom isn't what God does in us. It's what God has done for us. The gospel is what God has done for us. Because the Father, through the Son, has qualified us to enter his kingdom through what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus' life was lived perfectly. He qualified for heaven. He merited heaven. He never disobeyed his father in the slightest way in all his life. In fact, the opposite. He pleased his father's heart every moment of every day. And then willingly he went to the cross to die as if he displeased his father every moment in every way. As he bore our sins upon his perfect shoulders he paid for our sins redeeming us back as Colossians says and bringing forgiveness of sins that means the slate has been cleaned your slate is cleaned because Jesus cleaned it because Jesus lived the perfect life and then paid for all the sin of the world so it's not just that our sins have been forgiven. Jesus linked our moral accounts with his moral accounts. So we have his moral perfection in our account. All his perfect merit, righteousness, and goodness has been linked to your account. You went to bed and you had nothing. You woke up and you had perfect righteousness in your account. And you're like, how did that get in there? It's Jesus's linked to your moral account. So that when we stand, and we will all stand before God one day. We will all stand before him. And the kingdom of heaven will be absolutely closed except to those who have trusted in him. And the father will look and say, you are perfect. You are righteous. The sins, I, I remember them no more. You are qualified, well qualified to enter this kingdom. Because your qualifications are Jesus. And it's and you know what? One more thought about that. The father is going to be giddy 
because it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's not going to be like, okay, enter. He's going to be like, yes, enter. I love giving the kingdom. I love giving it to those who were lost to me. The good news of the kingdom is that all who would believe in Jesus and place their trust in him are freed from Satan's grip, delivered from his dark, miserable, hellish domain, and transferred to the kingdom of the Son God loves. Praise God this morning. Let's praise God for the impact the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus Christ has on our eternal destinies. And he is our savior he is our king. Amen? He is our king. He is our king. And I'll take King Jesus over any democracy any day of the week. Let's pray together. Lord, we just, we just bow our hearts in your presence. Your glory is beyond our, our even getting a small glimpse of. But Lord, what little glimpse we get, it just stirs our hearts. The majesty, the glory, the goodness, the righteousness, the power of our God and our Savior. But we also add another component, and that is the mercy of our God, the compassion of our Savior, the love. And so we thank you. We bow our knees to you, Lord. Help us to surrender all. Not grudgingly, but joyfully, because you are so good, and it is our joy. Help us to live increasingly under your lordship. Help us to increasingly reject temptation to sin and listen for your voice to obey. But Lord, this morning, we anchor all that hope, not in what we do or what you do in us, but in what you've done for us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Lord, it's in his beautiful name we pray. And I ask that, Lord, if anyone doesn't know you, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit will, will free their hearts to see, open their eyes to see, open their ears to hear your truth. Lord, Holy Spirit, touch their heart to receive by faith the King of heaven, the Savior who died for their sins, that they may be given the gift of the kingdom of God. Let them not wait another day. Let them not wait another moment. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You have a great week in the Lord.